On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And just to flag that today's episode of the Indo Daily contains information about war zone conflicts that some people might find distressing. Today on the Indo Daily, Pierre Zakchevsky was a truth teller. As a war photographer and cameraman for Fox, the proud Irishman devoted his career behind the lens to sharing the horrors of war with the rest of the world. The United States military has begun strikes against Al-Qaeda terrorist training camps and military installations of the Taliban. I ordered a targeted military strike on the airfield in Syria from where the chemical attack was launched. Whether Iraq, Syria or Afghanistan, Pierre always came home. But on March 14th, in the Ukraine conflict, that all changed. The past hour, we've learned that two journalists were killed while reporting in Ukraine on Monday. One of the journalists was veteran cameraman Pierre uh, Zakshevsky. Fox said that Pierre was... Zakshevsky was an absolute legend at this network and his losses devastating. About our colleagues Pierre, Sasha and Ben Hall tonight, the loss and pain we feel is enormous, but if ever there were a time that the world needed journalists, reporters risking their lives to tell these stories, to tell the truth, it's now. Without a free press, the autocrats win. We will redouble our efforts to honor these colleagues and all reporters in harm's way tonight. Pierre and two of his colleagues were caught up in the conflict. Pierre and Alexandra Kushinova lost their lives. Another colleague, Benjamin Hall, was seriously injured. I'm Siobhan Maguire and eight months on from Pierre's passing, I'm joined by Michelle Ross Danton, his wife, his best friend, his soulmate, who's been tirelessly working to know what happened to her husband on that fateful day in March. Michelle, thank you for being with us today. And I know it's not been an easy time for you, but can I ask you to go back to that day on March the 14th and that call you received out of the blue from Fox News? 
Sure. And thank you, first of all, for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, eight months and eight days ago, um, it was March the 14th and it was in the evening. And I received a call from Suzanne Scott, the CEO of News Corp, uh, who owned Fox. And uh, she told me that Pierre and the team had been missing for five hours. And I wasn't too worried because Pierre had been missing before and yeah. uh, he was very experienced. He knew what he was doing. And I just thought, okay, he's hunkered down for the for curfew. And when curfew's over, he'll show up and everything will be fine. So I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell his family. I told one friend. Um, and then at 12 hours, I got a call to say that he was still missing. And at the same time, I heard that there was going to be a 36-hour curfew in Kiev. And then I started to worry. I started panicking. And I, obviously, I hadn't slept. I was not in a, a fit state to sleep. And I started calling everybody I knew on the ground um, that I've worked with, other journalists from other networks, um, security, different security companies. And um, it shows how much he was loved amongst the news community because they hunkered down together to see what they could do to find him. And then at, um, at, that's when his, his little sister, Carola, called me. And I had to tell her that he'd been missing for 12 hours and that she should warn the family because I think maybe this time he might not be coming back. And I'm really glad that I did because at 20 hours, I got a call to say again from Suzanne Scott to say that they'd found him in the morgue and positively identified him. And I tried to call all of his friends in Ireland and around the world um, as quickly as I could, but unfortunately it was leaked at 20 hours on the news. So I didn't get to everybody. So some of his friends found out by watching it on the news, which I felt terrible about. I mean, you, you're having to deal with the loss of, of your husband and then you have to carry all of this as well in terms of delivering such a terrible and tragic message, Michelle. Yes, it was very difficult. It was very hard. But his sister and, and I and Pierre, his, well, typical Irish family, they live all over the world. But his little sister, Carola, lives closest to us in England. And um, we used to spend a lot of time with her and her husband and her sons, our nephews. And um, so we were closest to them. And uh, it was awful having to tell her, absolutely awful. And she, um, she actually stayed up that night and she made a list and she came up with a hashtag, Be More Like Pierre, which we've been using um, everywhere. And we're using it as a family mantra. She made a little list about Pierre and how he was. And we, we've been using that to, to get us through, really, because it's been a tough time for the entire family and all his friends. And the outpouring of grief from the news, um, from his colleagues in different news outlets and um, um, freelancers as well, has just been incredible. Michelle, do you recall the last conversation you had with Pierre? I do. And sadly, we had an argument on the phone and it was awful. My London mum, uh, my adopted London mum died nine days before Pierre. And um, I didn't get to say goodbye. And I found out about it. And Pierre and I would chat on WhatsApp, on Messenger. 
and we chatted for about four hours the night she died. And the next day I left my mother's in Brighton to go back to London and I was in a lost, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was in shock. Um, there was no point rushing back to London because she was already dead. I wasn't allowed to see her in the hospital. And um, and Pierre phoned and I was sitting in a shop that was playing live music just because I didn't know what to do with myself. And he said, well, you're obviously too busy to talk. And it was so sad because I could have just walked out of the shop, but I was in so much shock that I didn't know what to do. So, yeah, our last call was actually an argument, and uh, that was a killer. We talked um, to each other afterwards on WhatsApp Messenger, but it was, that was our last phone call. The day before he died, um, he um, saw a friend of his um, shot um, um, by, they believe, Russian snipers, Brent Rennell. He was shot in the neck. And um, the cameraman was shot twice in the lower back. And so Pierre would keep in touch with me pretty much every day and all of his family. Um, he would keep in touch with us wherever he was in the world, but he would keep us informed of what was going on on the ground. And in fact, the last thing he was doing before, the day before he was killed, was trying to get Juan, who was a freelancer, out of Ukraine for medical attention. That's the thing about Pierre, that the stories we hear now, Michelle, that th this was not only a man who was a, a consummate professional um, in terms of the work he was doing, but oh my goodness, did he have a big heart and the amount of oh. help he offered and gave to people that he met around the world in all those conflict zones was incredible. Yes, he, you know, he was a humanitarian first and foremost. And for him, being a photojournalist wasn't a job. It was his life. It was his mission in life. And he used his camera as a tool to tell the truth to power, but also to give a voice to those people that didn't have a voice. And he was incredibly kind to everybody he met on the ground, particularly freelancers, because he knew how difficult it was. He'd been a freelancer for the, most of his life. And he'd give them lifts and he'd let them use his hotel room to have showers or charge their batteries. And that, and it was a real testimony to, to how much he was loved and respected because tributes and outpourings of grief have been coming in from around the world. And condolence letters uh, from the US President Joe Biden and the rock yes. star Mick Jagger. I mean, it says yes, it all yes. really, doesn't it, Michelle? Yes, yes. Well, Mick Jagger was his hero. He, he adored Stones. And uh, it was lovely, actually, because uh, um, Fox arranged for us to go um, uh, to one of their concerts in Hyde Park recently and um, in July. And it was wonderful because it's, I think, my friends who were further back said that he, um, on Give Me Shelter, when they were playing that song, they, they you know, the Stones aren't um, political in any way. It's more you two that are political. And um, they had uh, the Ukrainian flag up and burnt out buildings, images. And it, 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 it sounded like um, he had dedicated that song to myself and Pierre and Sasha, which I thought was really beautiful um, at Hyde Park in July. And that, that's in London. It was a, a beautiful concert out, outside in the park. 
just and also ambassadors from around the world and the 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 um Ukrainian ambassador was just incredible at the funeral just absolutely incredible yeah she apologized she apologized <laughs> and i said why are you apologizing he died doing what he loved and we're the ones that should be saying sorry because we're not doing enough for your country and for your amazing incredible people Michelle, we know Pierre um, now for the wrong reasons. He's not with mm. us. Um, and we've seen that that very famous image of Pierre's face that, you know, was shown all across um, media outlets globally after yes. um, he lost his life in Ukraine. And he, I tell you, he looks like a, a character. He looks like a, a great <laughs> Irish man. He has a very pronounced <laughs> moustache. He had that cheeky grin. He had that that little kind of uh, glint in his eye. And you yes. were with him for 28 years. Yeah, yeah, 27, 28 years. Yes. I, I, I'm I'm awful with dates. Pierre was always my, my memory bank. He remembered dates. He had a photographic memory, which I think made him such an amazing journalist. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely, he was cheeky. He He was cheeky and he was so proud to be Irish. And he used that Irishness everywhere that he went. He'd rock up at checkpoints in Afghanistan uh, with the Taliban and he'd say, my name is Pierre Zatchevsky and I'm an Irishman, let me through. And and it worked, you know, it always worked. And he'd end up sort of sitting down with these Taliban eating kebabs and drinking tea or or you know, recently in Afghanistan, he actually got them, some of the Taliban into the funfair and he got one of them on a, on a Dodrums car and four of them on, on a Ferris wheel. And they just absolutely loved it. He, uh, he, he, he was so cheeky. He actually, we, we, um, we traveled a lot. We had a lot of adventures and we met the Dalai Lama. He met him a couple of times, but he asked the Dalai Lama, do you, do you like Guinness? And the Dalai Lama just grinned and kicked him up the bum and it was just so funny <laughs> he, he could get away with that with everybody he, he he was he had a cheeky side to him he had the gift of the gab and uh, the Irish yeah. charm I mean that goes a long way in in journalism yeah. uh, or in, indeed in any profession um he loved his tato crisps as well oh oh tatoes absolutely his absolute favorite he he was um he was it was very funny because his mother's french and his father was polish and they met in ireland and um um so tatoes were his favorite crisps but then he also loved saucisson which is a french sausage so the, he was very much an international irishman and we did um at his funeral we um we took up um some of his favorite things to his coffin the nieces and nephews and we took a family sized pack of potatoes for him which we did put in the coffin oh my goodness michelle <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah no when pierre's death was was announced um you know, there was an outpouring of tributes. Um, his colleague, uh, Fox News presenter Bill Hemmer, became so emotional um, when he told viewers Pierre was an absolute legend at this network. Yes. And his loss is devastating. 
can I, can I bring you right back to present day now? And as you said, you're eight months and eight days on, but you're still looking for answers, aren't you? Yes, yes. And um, I've, I've been working with uh, Jeremy Barr at the Washington Post since April last April this year. And um, he's incredible. And he and I have been trying to dig for answers, really, to find out the truth, because I, um, I'm also a journalist and I need to know what happened as a wife and as just inquisitive journalist. And um, I went to Pierre, uh, to, to Ukraine to collect Pierre's body. And, um, and I have to say a, a huge thank you, actually, to Fox and to the Irish embassy in Poland and the Irish foreign minister and, um, and the Ukraine police because they managed to get Pierre out, his body out in five days. And he actually came out of Ukraine. We met at the border because we couldn't get in. The border was closed. And um, there were the security guys and producers had gone off to try and find an Irish flag. And they found an Irish dance troupe in Kiev and asked for the flag. And they said no. But when they told them what had happened, they gave them their biggest flag. And so he arrived in Poland and his coffin was draped in the in the Irish flag. And it was just so poignant because his father was a refugee from Poland and went to Ireland. And and there was he coming back from Ukraine with this Irish flag into Poland. Um, and so I, I interviewed everybody while I was there, all the security detail and all his colleagues, because I was trying to find answers. But sadly, this was the one and only first and probably last time that they've they'd ever been anywhere without their security. And the reason for that, and these were the answers I needed to know, was because um, journalists were being targeted by the Russians. And the day before Pierre died, he saw a friend of his, Brent Renau, shot in the neck, we believe by, he believed by a Russian sniper. And the cameraman shot twice in the lower back. And his last day before he was killed, and he'd been in country for 50 days when he died, um, was trying to get Juan out because he was a freelancer. And um, so, um, so yeah, so Jeremy and I worked together to get some information. And um, we did get a lot of information. We found out that he wasn't, they weren't going to the front lines. They were trying to f um, film the Azov Brigade who were digging defensive trenches around Kiev because they were expecting an invasion from the Russians. And they obviously weren't allowed to film that. So just by chance, one of the Azov guys, who their press officers, said, well, there's a burnt-out village a mile up the road. Let's go there and and film there. So they did their pieces to camera. And I've seen the footage um, that Pierre shot. And um, and they were on their way back, and they were at a checkpoint. Point. And the first shell, we believe they were targeted by the Russians. They're still obviously ongoing war crimes investigations uh, the French and the Irish who I have to say the Irish investigators have been amazing um, and uh, uh, so, so we don't have all the answers yet and they're, they're working on the war crimes tribunal but we know that they were hit at the checkpoint and on the footage Pierre's saying reverse reverse and they can't uh, they weren't able to um, and um, and so I hear Pierre say, get out, and he managed to get out of the car 
and and run 20 feet away from it down this sort of little ditch. And talking to Benji, he's told me he he was the other person in the car, the correspondent who survived with life-changing injuries. And he's trying to remember everything that happened. And he told me a lot about what happened as well, um, which was helpful. And um, Sasha, unfortunately, young 24-year-old budding journalist, died, was obliterated, really, along with the Azov, um, the two Azov guys in the front of the vehicle. And the car, we believe, had a direct hit. So we're still piecing things together. Uh, the war crimes tribunals will go on for another two and a half years, and we hope to find all the answers then. But one of the things that I'm really looking for is I need to know who found my husband's body and took him to the morgue because I really want to say thank you to them because unlike I, 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 we were so lucky, the family, we were so lucky to have a body, to have a funeral in Ireland, to be able to say goodbye. And Sasha's parents didn't have that, you know, they only had a foot and a hand. And um, I, I, I just feel so lucky to have that, but I need to know who found him and who took him to the morgue. And we're still working on that. We're, in fact, Benji's helping me as well. The security guys are helping. And we're trying to find out who, who did that. But I also found out why security didn't go with them. And that was because the security, the, the vehicle that they all travel around in is covered with press stickers. And we already knew at this point that press were being targeted by, um, by the Russians. Um, we know that the Russians, we believe the Russians had jammed the comms tower so the security people couldn't be in touch with the team on the ground. Um, they had to hang back. And there wasn't enough room in the vehicle um, with Pierre and Benji and Sasha and the two Azov uh, press officers. Um, there wasn't enough room in the vehicle for, for them to join. And actually, it's probably a good thing they didn't because they would have been killed as well. But um, yeah, as I say, it was the first time that, that they'd ever gone anywhere without security. And that was hard to hear. Michelle... Yeah. That was difficult. Finally. Yeah. I mean, this is a time for you to be able to grieve. And obviously you're, you've other things you're, you're trying to do. You're trying to get to the bottom of the truth of what happened on that day, down mm -hmm. to e who even brought Pierre's body to the morgue, as you mentioned. But how are you doing? Are you okay? Well, I'm keeping busy because that's the only way I can cope. So I'm I'm with Fox and News Corp. I'm setting up um, uh, bursaries, awards at the Frontline Club for Sasha and Pierre to keep their legacy alive because I've I vowed to keep their legacies alive. And I'm fundraising for ambulances and generators and medical supplies to take over to Ukraine. And um, and that's what's keeping me going. Um, I think if I didn't have this and trying to find all the answers, I think I would just collapse. Um, in fact, I know I would. I'd curl up and, and in my pajamas and stay in bed and not bother getting out again. But yeah, at least I, you know, his legacy is important to me. And I want to help young photojournalists and, and, um, and young journalists like Sasha, um, from third world countries or, um, 
war-torn countries or countries where they just don't get an opportunity um, to get a leg up. And, and um, that, I think, for me, is really, really important to keep their legacies going and help other journalists. And also to help the Ukrainians, because I think they're incredibly brave and they need help and they're desperate for ambulances and generators. And that's something I'm going to carry on working on and raising money and raising awareness and um, and get get them some help. And do you think back to that phone call, Michelle, that you didn't have with Pierre and think what you might have said? <laughs> you know, I think we're all going through that at the moment. There's lots of guilt. Um, there's lots of um, survivor's guilt. Um, all of us, um, it's a very tight-knit team, the foreign news team. Um, you know, the, 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 they um, they work together in, in, and they're brothers in arms. And, and it's very difficult to explain what that relationship's like unless you've worked in a war zone and saved each other's lives and had close encounters. But the team has sort of fallen apart without Pierre. And, um, and I just, I just, need to keep on going and 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 not stop because if I stop that's it I'm gonna I'm I'm trying to grieve um but I um I, I can't I can't yet I'm not ready to and um I we we're all going through the what ifs at the moment what if the security had been there and they'd been able to put pressure on his femoral artery where he was hit by shrapnel and he bled out. What if they hadn't gone? What if the, you know, there's all these questions and, and, and all of us are, are, are at this moment just going through that stage of the what if grief stage. You know, you get the stages of, of grief. There's anger. There's, there's, raw grief where you just can't stop crying there's um the the questioning the what could we have done differently the there's so many things that you so many stages that you go through with grief and uh it comes back to anger and then you you go to the acceptance and then you go to the what ifs and that's i think where we are all of us at the moment all of us I'm so sorry. I don't even I don't even I can't even express how sorry I am for you and I can I can hear how brave you're being. Well, he was worth it yeah. and um he was my soulmate. Yeah. Yeah. I shall keep his legacy alive along with Sasha's and I will keep fighting for the truth. Yeah. I will keep fighting. Shell, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. And my thanks to Michelle Ross Stanton for joining me today. And we remember Pierre and his colleague Sasha. And if you would like to uh, find out more about Pierre, you can use the hashtag be more like Pierre. We also think of Benjamin Hall and his recovery and indeed for all those journalists killed or injured in the line of duty. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by myself but secured and researched by Paul Highland, reporter with the Irish Independent, 
Also researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE Radio, RTE News, CNN, CBS, Fox News, Fox Nation, Sky News and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. And for more of our award-winning journalism, go to independent.ie. And if you've been affected by any of the content in today's episode, you'll find help at independent.ie forward slash helplines.